What if the way that we have all been told the way the world works is wrong? What if the things that we value most are the things that are actually worth the least? Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. This week I'm joined by Catherine and Lewis Epps. Catherine will lead our prayers later on, but for now, let's listen as Lewis reads from the Bible for us. Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. Jesus and his disciples left that place and went on through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where he was, because he was teaching his disciples. The Son of Man will be handed over to men who will kill him. Three days later, however, he will rise to life. But they did not understand what his teaching meant, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and after going indoors, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you arguing about on the road? But they would not answer him, because on the road they had been arguing among themselves about who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve disciples, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must place himself last of all and be the servant of all. Then he took a child and made him stand in front of them. He put his arms around him and said to them, Whoever welcomes in my name one of these children welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the one who sent me. We join Jesus in the middle of some really important teaching for his disciples. We've skipped on a bit from last week, and what we've missed is important, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Last time we spoke about Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus' warning not to tell anyone, because the people had all kinds of expectations about the Messiah being a mighty warrior who would raise up an army and free the people from the Roman occupation. In today's passage, we get some pretty shocking news about what is actually going to happen. The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. Anyone who's ever had some really bad news will know that you don't hear anything after the first bit. I think it's the same for the disciples. I doubt they hear much beyond the part where Jesus tells them that he will be handed over and put to death. It's just too shocking. Too unexpected. Even more so when we discover that the part that we skipped is what we know as the Transfiguration, where Jesus takes Peter, James and John up a mountain and Jesus' true nature is revealed to them. They see his divinity. He confirms to them that he is the Son of God. And all of a sudden, when they come back down the mountain, Jesus is talking about being executed. It doesn't make any sense at all. How could that even happen? You're God. You can do whatever you like. We've seen you do it. We've seen you do all kinds of things. You can heal people and free people from... You can heal people and feed people and drive out evil spirits. They don't get it and they're afraid to ask him about it. And I wonder why. Why are they scared to ask? Is it because they've come to a point where they know that their questions will reveal their own inadequacies? Remember what happened when Peter took Jesus aside? Jesus called Peter Satan because Peter's concerns were the concerns of the world. Despite that stinging rebuke and their experience of the transfiguration on the mountain, or or perhaps because of it, 
The disciples have been arguing about which one of them is the greatest. It's probably James and John who were invited into this special experience now lording it over the others because, well, they weren't invited. The writer of Mark's Gospel is at it again. The contrast between what Jesus is concerned about and what the disciples are arguing over couldn't be any more opposite. Jesus is trying to explain the way of the cross and the disciples are still consumed by the ways of the world. This week, the Prime Minister shuffled the cabinet. That's always a fascinating process where people are either given power or have it taken away. The sacking tends to happen at the office and parliament so that those who've been fired don't have to face the press. Whereas the promotions always happen at Downing Street, where everyone can see the new appointees walking up the street to get told what their new role is. And the jobs have a ranking. The three great offices of state are the top jobs, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the Home Secretary and the Foreign Secretary. The rest have a pecking order, with health and education near the top. We all know that you don't get promoted in politics by being meek and mild. The disciples are arguing about where they will rank in Jesus' government. After all, he's the Messiah. He will win and they'll be insiders, the trusted ones. They'll be answer some pretty important positions. Peter will be the Deputy Prime Minister. James and John, they're surely next in line. But what about Andrew? He was one of the first chosen. Doesn't he get a look in? It's into this conversation that Jesus drops his bombshell. That's not how it's going to be at all. Instead of glorious victory, there'll be betrayal and execution. That's his future on resurrection after three days. You just can't even imagine how or why that would happen. Not to Jesus. It couldn't possibly. What would happen to them if it did? All these dreams of being plucked from the obscurity of a fishing boat or a tax booth to have a ringside seat at the coming of the Messiah and all that that would mean for them, gone. And worse, if it does go that way, then they're just as much at risk of the same thing happening to them. What Jesus does next is perhaps just as startling. He takes a child and puts him at the centre and tells them everything they know is wrong. Children were the least of the least. They had no position, no value, no status. They had no social, economic, political or military power. As Lawrence Moore points out, unlike the disciples, children lacked agency. They could not bring about the kingdom themselves. That's why they could receive it entirely as gift and grace from Jesus. And that's the point of all of this. The kingdom of God is received, not taken. It's a gift, not something that's earned or bought or won. It's like no kingdom that has ever existed before. All that stuff about power and influence, position and importance is how the world works. But Jesus' way, the way of the cross, the way of the kingdom of God, isn't like that at all. It's completely opposite, inside out, back to front, upside down. All that they think is important isn't. All that they think has no place or value or worth is what's of greatest importance. Usually promotion means more people to tell what to do, more people serving you, and the upside down kingdom being the first means serving everyone else. It means putting others' needs before your own. It means not seeking the limelight or drawing attention to our good deeds. It means radically rethinking what we think our own position is and who we think is above or, more importantly, below us. 
We're all presented with opportunities to welcome the least, to bring comfort to the distressed, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. That happens every day when we make all kinds of choices because our actions all have impacts and consequences. Do we choose the priorities of the kingdoms of the world or are our choices ones that bring the kingdom of God just a little bit closer? Are we prepared to become like a child? Powerless, vulnerable, reliant on the goodness of others? Are we up for serving our neighbour both near and far? Are we willing to accept the gift of the kingdom, a gift of grace that changes everything? The thing the disciples miss is the prediction of the resurrection. It's the good news they couldn't hear because of the bad news. They had to wait for that to happen while we live in the reality that it has happened. We live with the proof that everything Jesus said is true and the promise of life in him is ours to share.
Let us pray. Honestly and humbly, we enter your presence, thankful for your unending love for creation. We come aware of our imperfections and our need for transformation. We long for your kingdom to come here and now and know that we have a part to play in making it happen. Our beautiful world has been scorched and ripped open to feed our greed instead of our needs. Nations race to control access to raw materials and resources, paying no heed to local people or environments that are fragile and damaged beyond repair by their actions. Our obsession with consumerism blinds us to our mistakes, ravaging the fragile planet and fueling profit margins while ignoring slave labour. Our desire to escape reality through film and social media has dulled our senses to the poverty, injustice, abuse and neglect alive and well in our own reality. Our need to be right on every subject, to be in the right group, to be right about our beliefs, our values, our morals, stops us being open to others who are in different groups or hold different beliefs values and morals. Lord, save us from ourselves, help us to see you in all people, and to be open to resolving disagreements or conflicts with those people we call them, but who are really just a part of the greater us, for we are all one in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers and lead us into your kingdom here and now. We continue to pray in the words you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In all things, seek peace. Be gentle, full of mercy. Work towards the good of friend and neighbour. Treat all with dignity, courtesy, kindness. And may you reap a harvest of righteousness. May you live as a community of reconciliation and know the blessing of being God's beloved community at work in the world, bringing in the kingdom of justice and joy. Thank you.